Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. So one of the things I want to talk through is the, the last couple of weeks, we've been going through a series called The Blessing, okay? And so the first couple of weeks, we talked about generosity, the blessing of giving, the blessing of being able to give and what you get from that. We also talked about the blessing of focusing, that you can focus in the middle of your trials, in the middle of your hardships, you can focus, and God shows up in those times. Today, I want to talk about a bunch of different blessings. They're actually called the Beatitudes. You guys have probably heard this phrase, the Beatitudes. You've heard this before. Maybe your grandma had like a poster on her wall of the Beatitudes. Attitudes, you've seen them everywhere. And so I want to talk about those blessings that God calls us to. But those blessings come through us having to live a certain way. And so I want to talk through what this looks like. And so if you have your Bibles, like I said, Matthew chapter 5, I want to give you a little bit of history though. There's there's four gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And and when you think about that, some of you guys might be like kind of skeptical. Maybe you're new here, maybe you're watching, you're like, what why is there so many different versions of the gospel? Just let me Real quickly, if you and I went to watch a movie together, if there's like four of us, if all of us went and watched a movie together, we would have a different perspective on that movie. Something would stick out to us that maybe didn't stick out to you. Something would stick out to me that didn't stick out to you. Something would stick out to you that didn't stick out to me. We have a different view of the story. The story doesn't change. We just see it in a different spot. That's really kind of what the Gospels look like. And so the book of Matthew is really a book written to the Jewish people. And over and over and over in the book of Matthew, what you're going to see is this theme of fulfillment. It's going to say over and over and over, Jesus did this to fulfill the scriptures here. And the idea here is that Matthew wanted the Jewish people to see that the things they read in the Old Testament, those things point towards Jesus. And so one of the easiest ones that you can look at is the story of Moses. Moses was the great leader of Israel. Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. And what Matthew tries to show you is that Jesus is the greater Moses in different areas. And so as, as Moses led the people out of slavery, Jesus leads us out of slavery as well, out of slavery to sin and death and decay. That's what he, that's what he does. As Moses was on the side of a mountain giving the Ten Commandments and giving the law, it shows us in Matthew 5 that Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount was on the side of a mountain giving the new covenant, the new law, the new ethic of how we should Live. Jesus is the greater Moses, the greater David, the greater Samuel. He's all of those different things. And that's what, Moses, or that's what Matthew's trying to get the readers to understand, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. And so let me kind of give you the context and where we're going to be at in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5. You guys with me right now? All right, so the Jewish people, they were in bondage. Okay, the Jewish people were told for years and years and years, there was a promised land flowing with milk and honey. There's going to be a place that they could go, that they would be the rulers of, that no one would rule over them, that they would lead everything. And so they were up there. They, were, they, they, they had this idea of who they were supposed to be, where they were supposed to be, what it was going to look like for them. But in this time in Matthew 5, they're actually in slavery to the Romans. The Romans are over them. They're leading them. They, they tell them what they can do, what they can't do. 
And so the Jewish people, they're waiting for this Messiah to show up. They're waiting for this Messiah to come in and upend the whole government and put the Israelites back on top, put the Jewish people back where they need to be. They're waiting for the Messiah to show up and change everything. The Messiah was going to come and raise the dead, heal the sick. He was going to get the lame to walk. He was going to do these amazing miracles, and he was going to turn everything upside down, and he was going to rule over them, and the Israelites were going to be on top. But what ends up happening is Jesus shows up, fully the Messiah. But what he doesn't do is he doesn't start a huge rebellion. He doesn't start a huge war. He comes in and he says, hey, why don't you love your neighbor? He comes in and says, what you do to the least among us, you do to me. And so their idea of what the Messiah was going to look like was different for them. Jesus sets up a new ethic of living for them, a new way of life for them. The Sermon on the Mount is where you're going to find the Beatitudes, and really, this sermon pushes at the heart of religious people. And there are people, even now, we can talk about it maybe even in this room, there are people that have this kind of version of their life where they, they feel like if they just do enough good things, God's going to love and accept them. So if I don't cuss, if I don't drink, if I don't, if I don't go party, if I don't go hang out with this group of people, then God will love and accept me. And there's a version of life where we have to do the disciplines of God, but their focus and the Jewish people's focus at that point was just on the law. If I do these things, then maybe God will love and accept me. But the truth is, they were missing the point of the law. The point wasn't the law. The point really was Jesus. Everything in the New Testament, everything in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament points towards Jesus. He's the point of everything in life. When we make Jesus the point of everything, it's easier to follow everything that he teaches us. I hope that makes sense, because there's a, there's a big point there that we have to understand, that Jesus isn't trying to give you a bunch of rules he wants to get into your heart. This is why he says, hey, yeah, you shouldn't murder. That's right. But you can't hate people as well. That, that's what he's getting at. Hey, I, you, sh you know, what you look at with your eye, that's an issue as well. That's what he's getting at. He's getting at the heart of all of this. It's a new ethic on how we are to live. He's really kind of changing it up for us. He's really separating people. He's separating religious people from kingdom citizens. And in this room, and I love you, I love you so much, but in this room, there are still religious people and there are kingdom citizens. And the difference there is huge. A kingdom citizen is a person who finds their identity not in the things that they have or the things that they own. They find their identity in the kingdom. That serving for them is a way of life. It's not something they do so people will watch them and take pictures of them. It's a way of life for them. Their identity is not in a denomination. It's not in a political party. It's not in a country. They're not citizens of America. They're citizens of the kingdom of God. And if your identity is in the things of the world, if your identity is in the things of the world, this right here is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. But if your identity is in the kingdom of God, this is as close to hell as you'll ever be. Because there's an eternal home for all of us. All of us who are a part of that kingdom. And so I want to get to the, king, to the sermon and what he tells us. So we're going to go into the Beatitudes. So Matthew chapter 5, I'm just going to read through these. You guys with me? We good? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
They'll be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven theirs. You're blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's an amazing sermon. And he gives out eight blessings to us. And like I said, we've read these Beatitudes a million times over. What I hope that we don't do is I hope we don't make them like little Pinterest quotes on, online, right? That we just see, okay, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's really cute and pretty. I hope that you understand and internalize what these scriptures are really saying because it really is a new way of life and it really does change how we do what we do. And so I just want to go through all eight of them real quick. And you're thinking, man, we're going to go through eight. How long is it going to take us? I promise you this. We'll be here two and a half hours and that's it, all right? I promise you we're going to be fine. So let's go to the first one. Some of you guys are like, are you serious? Yes. Number one, here we go. <laughs> Blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of God is theirs. Again, this is an ethic on how we should live our life. Poor in spirit does not mean poor in finances. That's not what he's getting at. He's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the people who are so spiritually bankrupt, who are so at the end of their rope that they only have Christ to handle. They only have Christ to rely on. They only have Jesus to hold on to. That's what he's saying. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are so downtrodden, who understand that they have no righteousness of their own, that they can't make their way to heaven, that they can't do it themselves. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who know that at the end of the day, they need Jesus. This is a call of repentance. Charles Spurgeon says like this, that all of a, sin, all of a Christian's life is repentance. That every day, we have to look back, take stock of our day and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for those things that I've done. Forgive me for the things that, I'm, that I have been doing. Repentance is a change of heart that leads to a change in behavior. I love you. When you say, God, forgive me, but you don't do anything to change what he's forgiven you of, that's not repentance. I'm speaking right to myself today. Repentance is a change of heart that leads to a change in behavior. Let's keep going. Number two, blessed. Again, keep this in mind. These are blessings for us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Some of you guys have experienced some unimaginable pain. I'm thinking of the Wilcox family right now, what they're going through, going into the Christmas holidays, unimaginable pain that they can't even understand, that we can't even really relate to. Truth is, pain is a fact of life. Mourning is a fact of life. And the blessing here is this. No matter how many tears you've cried, no, how, no, no matter how many nights of depression you lived through, no matter how many sleepless nights you've walked through, no matter how many times you didn't know what was gonna happen, no matter how many times you didn't wanna wake up the next day, no matter how many times you felt like you were inadequate, you didn't have anything together, no matter how many times you walked through those seasons of life, Jesus tells you, if you mourn, I promise you there's comfort coming your way. I need you to hear today. Some of you are in maybe one of the worst seasons of your life. I hate COVID. I hate what it's doing to our society. I hate where it's at right now. But I need you to know comfort is on its way and maybe it's already here for you. Another way that you can look at this, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted is blessed are those who mourn over the things that God mourns over. This is a call of you mourning over sin in the world and in your life. May we not be those people who always laugh, and, and I'm the most guilty of this, but laugh at the things that God finds shameful. We tell our teens this all the time, please, 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 what you put in your ears, what you, put on, what you watch in front of you, what you accept, okay? 
starts to direct your life. And so in this capacity, let's be people who don't accept the things of the world, the things that God would look at and say, that's shameful. It's really a prayer saying, God, give me your heart. God, whatever is in my life, give me your heart. Where I go into this next phase of life, give me your heart. Give me your eyes. Let me see people the way that you see them. That's what he's saying there. It's mourning over sin and it's saying, God, give me who you are. Give me your eyes. Number three, are we still good? Blessed are the humble. Some of you guys have read this as blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. So a couple years ago, uh, Neil Peterson, he's one of our elders in training. Neil and I, we lived together, okay? And so um, one of the things that we, when we were living together, we decided we wanted to get an animal. So, so we got a cat. Now, now, thinking back about 10, 12 years ago, two guys living in a house with a cat seems <clears throat> weird. And so, um, I, and I, I get that. But one of the things you need to know about Neil is Neil is so incredibly tight with money, all right? I mean, it's just ridiculous. I try to steal from him all the time. But it, it, he just, he, he's, so, he's so tight with money. And Neil got fed up with um, paying for kitty litter. And so one of the things that we learned online was that if you do some training with your cat, one of the things that you can end up doing is getting your cat to actually use the toilet, okay? And so we thought we had nothing better to do, so let's just try it. And so this is going to be a lot of inside baseball for you. Some of you guys are going to check out, and that's okay. Here's, here's what you do when you want to train your, your cat. You take their, their litter box... And just day by day, you just inch it a little farther away from where it was at. You inch it closer to the toilet every day, okay? And the cat's like, oh, it's here, but it's here, okay? And they just keep going, right? That's, that's what it looks like. I want, you to, I want you to put in your mind, by the way, the moment when you open up your bathroom door and there's a cat sitting on your toilet. I just want you to put that in your mind and think about how, how insane that is, okay? But the whole point of that was you had to retrain the cat. You had to break its will of what it knew it was supposed to do to get it to do something better, Blessed are the humble, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. For a lot of us, when we think of humility, we think of being a doormat. I don't, I don't want people walking all over me. I, I don't want people, I gotta put people in front of me? Like, I gotta think of others good before me? Like, I know that's really easy to say here in church, but to live that out, that's a different thing. That's a different kind of way of life. And some of us, we think that's just really just being that's being weak, but humility is actually a strength. But the strength isn't in you, it's in who God is. Because when you're humble, when you live letting people go in front of you, when you live serving other people, here's what you're saying. God, no matter where I'm at, no matter what position I'm in in my life, if they get ahead of me, I know you're going to take care of me still. That, that's what it looks like. I love how C.S. Lewis says it. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. The blessing that we get out of this is, that if you're humble, you'll inherit the earth. To inherit something means that it's already been willed to you. L let me put it this way. If you're humble, God will give your, you your allotted portion. There are blessings that God has for your life. But we don't take a hold of them because we can't break down our pride to get there. And again, I'm speaking to myself today. Many people are gonna live lives not humble themselves for God, and leave so many of the blessings over that they would just humble themselves. He would shower on them. Number four, let's keep going. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I want you to make sure that he, you realize that he's not saying, blessed are those whose goal is righteousness, or those who just kind of desire 
righteousness. He's saying blessed are those who intently and intensely go after righteous living. It's a passion inside them to do what's right. Everyone say, I love you, Matt. And I love you. But if your version of hunger and thirsting for righteousness is coming here on a Sunday morning for one hour, and that's the whole of your spirituality, you're not hungry and thirsting. You can listen to every Stephen Furtick sermon in the world, but if you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord where you're digging into the scripture, where you're learning who he is, you're not hungry and thirsting for righteousness. It's not there. It's not just saying, you know, God, you can have everything I have. God, you can have everything in my hands, but like, don't mess with my wallet. That's not hunger and thirsting for righteousness. It's, it's not going after it. It's a daily choice you have to develop the habits that lead to hunger and thirsting for righteousness. I love the blessing here. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I'll be honest. Um, are you really content in life? Like, really? Do you really feel filled up in life? There's a lot of times I don't. There's a lot of times where I run after what I want people to think about me, where I run after what I want, you know, it, what kind of trinket or toy I want, where I run after accolades, more money, whatever that looks like. And at the end of the day, I never, ever feel like I'm content there. You know where I feel content? In these moments. Praying, you know, mission trips, serving. Actually, the book of, I think it's the book of Isaiah, he says, why do you keep running after milk and bread that's gonna spoil when you could just come to me? That what I give you will fill you up. Here's, here's what I need some of you guys to hear today, and I love you, and I need you just to understand this. Running after all the things of the world will never fill you up. Running after the things to make yourselves look better will never fill you up. Pride will never fill you up. Running after righteousness Hunger and thirsting for righteousness is the only thing that can satisfy your Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's keep going. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Chris, come up here for a second, buddy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So me and my brother, we, we, um, my brother's 10 years older than I am. Chris, how old are you? 14, I'm way older than that. Um, but my brother was 10 years older than I am. And one of the things my brother, my brother loved Hulk Hogan, okay? Now, if you know me, Hulk Hogan's the worst, all right? I, I, Hulk Hogan's no good. But my brother loved Hogan. And so we would wrestle. Again, 10 years older than me. I need you to know right now that I could whoop him at any point today. I just need you to know that. But 10 years, like I was, I was 10 years old. He was 20 years old, okay? I mean, it's a big gap. And one of the things my brother would do is, he would like just come in and he'd, he'd throw me down and I'm not going to hurt you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you. And, um, he, and one of the things that he would do is, and I hated this move. I hated this move. But he would take his little knuckle. You guys, you guys probably already know where I'm going with this. He, he'd take his knuckle and he'd go right here in my chest, okay? He'd pin me down. I, I'd pin you down, but I don't think I could get back up, okay? But <laughs> he'd pin, pin me down and then just start running that thing up and down. Right there. Anyone ever had that? Anyone ever had that happen in their life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, counseling's available for you, I promise you. We'll take care of you if we need to. Just running up and down. Does that hurt at all? 
It does hurt? Can I go a little bit harder? No, I won't do it. Okay. Let's hear it for Chris. Give, give, me, give my buddy Chris a hand. He would run his knuckle up and down my chest until I would say, mercy. And I hated it. I hated it more than anything. That was not what I, like, I didn't want to tell my brother I couldn't handle it. I didn't want my brother to know that he could beat me up. Again, let me just clarify, can't do it today. But, but back in the day, yes. I hate saying mercy because this idea that someone stronger than me had to have compassion on me. They, I had no control. They had to take care of it. They had to have compassion on me. I am more convinced now than ever that mercy becomes easier for you when you realize how much mercy has been given to you. It's easier to forgive someone for gossiping about you when you realize how many times you've gossiped about other people. It's easy to forgive people for lying when you realize that you've lied. Easy to forgive people who rejected you and realize, man, I've been pretty bad to people too. We all need mercy. There's gonna come a point in your life where you're looking at God and saying, God, don't give me what I deserve, please. There's gonna come a point in your life where there are people in your life where you have to give mercy to. Mercy and grace seem very similar, but they're two different things. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And let me just kind of give you a quick aside to that too. The person that you need to have mercy on, a lot of times in my experience, they don't even know they hurt you. They're working on a deficit, not knowing that they actually hurt you in some way. And so you're balling up all this anger and resentment towards them when they don't even know about it. Mercy. Give mercy. And the Lord says he'll give you mercy. Number six, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When we think heart in our Western mindset, we think emotions, love, hate. The Hebrews really believed heart was the whole of the person. That's why we talk about to the teenagers all the time. What you put in your ears, what you watch on TV, that's what's going to come out of your mouth because from the heart flows everything that you have inside of you. That's the whole point of those, of those things. Your motives come from your heart. Jesus is saying you're blessed if you have pure motives, if you have a pure heart. You don't serve God to be seen. You don't serve out of selfish emotions. You serve because you want to serve people. A pure heart produces pure emotions. The blessing here, by the way, I love this blessing. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart for you. They will see God. And here's what's crazy about that one. We, we, we hear that. They'll see God. Well, of course. When we go to heaven, of course, we're going to see God. We're going to see him in all his glory. We're going to be in our glory. We're going to see God. It's going to be amazing. But that's not what this scripture is saying. He's saying, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God today. That in your life, if you're living pure motives, a pure heart, you're going to see God moving in your life over and over and over. You're going to see blessings in your marriage. You're going to see blessings in your finances. You're going to see blessings in your mental health. You're going to see it in your workplace. You're going to see God moving in different ways all over your life if you live with a pure heart and pure motives. It's a blessing for you today. Of course, we're going to see him then, but today you will see God. Number seven, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Maybe the next time you share that article on Facebook that burns the liberals, <laughs> maybe you should think about, am I really pushing peace out? Maybe the next time you share the article that's burning the Trump supporters, am I really going for peace right here? Right? The next time you ask a question, that's really a statement, Right? Am I really promoting peace in this moment? You know that you're the most like Jesus 
when people insult you, make comments about you, come after you, and you just stay silent in that moment? That you don't work a room just to kind of get people to get angry at that person? That you don't just beat them down? You're the most like Jesus, that whenever people come after you, you just stay quiet. Do you remember this trial of Jesus? They came at him. They spit on him. They mocked him. What did he do? Stayed silent. He let them do their thing. God's called us to be peacemakers. By the way, notice it doesn't say peacekeepers. He's saying peacemakers. Peacekeepers react to change. Peacemakers bring change. Here's, here's why, this one wrecked me this week. A couple years ago, I had a good buddy of, of mine. We did ministry together. We're real good friends. And just through situations, we just kind of got crossed. And it's kind of weird because, you know, we live here. And so you go to, to the Walmart or Reesers and you see that person. And you do that thing where you're like, oh, and you turn the other way and you walk the other way, right? And you don't, you don't want to have any kind of weird interaction with them. And that's how it's been the last couple of years. You go to football games, you see them, and it's, and it's weird. And, and the Lord convicted me this week when I was reading that. He said, are you trying to make peace? I want you to hear this. Making peace is active. You get that? It's not that they come to you. It's that you're making peace. I got my phone out, angry. Typed up this long text message, and I sent it to the guy. I'm sorry. I was a jerk. Things I said, I, I shouldn't have said that. That's not, that's not who I am. I, I hope you forgive me. Guess what? Got text back, and I'm sorry too. There's peace there. You also want to know what happened? Another person I texted. Guess what? They didn't text back. They didn't want to hear from me. But the attempt was made. I want you to hear this. That's not glory to me, because I'm going to be honest, I didn't want to do it at all. But the Lord called us to make peace. Not keep peace, make peace. Who is that person in your life right now that God's saying, it's time for you to make peace? Well, God, you don't realize what they said to me. Make peace. Well, God, you don't know what they, they did to me. Make peace. You are the most like Jesus when you're in the process of making peace. Now, there's a lot of caveats to that. And we can go down a trail there in the simplest term, make peace. You understand that the Bible says that before you come to this room, before you sit over in these chairs and you raise your hands in worship, that you need to make it right with your brother? That's how committed Jesus was to unity. Before you come to worship, go find your brother and make it right. Make peace. The blessing there, you'll be called sons of God. I'm, I'm gonna get back to that one. Let's go to the next one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You're blessed when, you ins when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're blessed if by the way you're living it's causing other people to question their lives and thus they're angry at you and they take it out on and actually, he gives a double blessing to the people who are willing to be rejected by men so they can be accepted by God. 
This is tough, it's not easy, and it's not fun. But these are the Beatitudes. So my question to you is, how are you doing? How are you living these out? Pretty tough. What areas do you need to work on? What areas do you need to change? See, this is, this is kingdom living. This is for the citizens of God, the citizens of heaven. This is for the church, the ones who believe in God, who've given their life to Christ. This is the way we're supposed to live our life. How are we doing that? You see, when you live these characters out, you not only get blessed yourself, but you're a blessing to other people around you. If you go on in Matthew chapter five, he talks about you're a city on a hill. You're a light that shouldn't be hidden from other people. See, it's easy to come in this room and like we're Christians, so, so we shine the light, but it's different when you go into your schools. It's different when you go into your homes. It's different when you go into your offices and you're into a dark place and you're shining the light of Jesus there. It's different because you're showing people who Jesus is by the way you're living. This is the way of life he's called us to live. Easy to do it here. Oh, it's easy. Man, blessed are the poor. That's easy here. But go out there. Go live your life there. When you live the Beatitudes, it not only makes your life better, like I said, it gives the world who Jesus is. So I want to go back to the last one. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they'll be called sons of God. Uh, I love Pastor Joe and his family, and one of the funniest things that you'll ever see with Pastor Joe and his family, um, is when he's been, as he was raising his kids, he would tell me that when, when the kids would do something wrong, he would look at his wife and say, that's from your side, that's not a shepherd. Shepherds don't do that, all right? Again, we talk about pride, right? Um, um, but there's a shepherd's standard that he would live by. It's a shepherd's standard that, that people don't do these things. That's, that's, that's your side. I think about that a lot, and I'm going to be honest with you. The Barnett standard, the Barnett name, it ain't there, right? It's, there, there's not a lot there. I, I come from a very long line of people who left. My daddy's alcoholic. His daddy left him. just goes on and on and on. It's not a very proud name. It's not something that commands respect. But he says here, and here's the hope for some of you that maybe are in the same boat. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. What that means for me, what that means for you, is that you have a new father, a new place. I'm not a son of Richard Barnett. I'm a son of God now. And by being a son, that means I have access. And by having access, access, that means I get to have peace. You see, like I said earlier, the, the closest you're going to be to Jesus is when you're bringing peace. That's what he did. See, when we were in the middle of sin, when we are in the middle of mistakes, when we were in the middle of our lowest point ever, Jesus brought peace to you. And here's how he did it. Here's how he did it. So God's in heaven, holy, on top of everything. We're here on earth, sinful. And he comes in between, and he grasps us together, and he brings us together in peace. You have been given the opportunity to have peace with God. Look right here, I want, to get you, I want you to get this real quick. Here we go. Here we go. Do you have that peace with God now? Truly, are you living at peace who God is? And the only way that you can really be at peace with the Lord 
through his son, Jesus Christ. Confessing and giving your life to him. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.